BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club August edition. I am here with the girls. Hey, girls. How you doing? Dana, let's start with you because Ooh. it was a Dana's Choice Month. Oh, thank you, Jax. Um, not much new with me. I would actually like to spend my entire session hearing about Florida, so <laughs> I'm going to push it right <laughs> back on to you because <laughs> that's way yeah. more interesting. There's been a lot of change on my front this month, and if you're a toaster, you've heard a lot about it. But if you're just a redhead, which, by the way, there are some people out there who listen to the redheads and just the toast isn't for them, I recently moved, two weeks ago I moved down to Florida, and I don't know if the listeners knew this, but we oftentimes do episodes of the redheads remote. This is not new for us. The last, like, five out of six episodes have been remote. We never say when it's remote versus in studio, so hopefully for the listeners, nothing has to change. We love doing the redheads. We'll be here for a long time. It's a great time to become a redhead, and I also feel like everything's coming up redheads I was just like looking at our numbers recently and I just feel like a lot of people are becoming redheads which I love that for them because it's truly never too late to become a redhead so if this is your first episode with us welcome I think it might be for a lot of people because this month's book was for everyone we will get to that but before we do Bex how are you doing oh you know D I'm just kind of disturbed that you don't think my updates are important <laughs> I have quite a few farmers market finds that I wanted to bring to the table I'm being completely facetious all I care about is Jack's rolled and all things Florida I mean summer is just like an incredible time for everyone my skin is glowing golden brown and I just like spend all my time like in the sunshine at a farmer's market or like with my redheads family. So it's basically a combination of like the most wonderful things. All's going yeah. well. Would you say that summer is the most wonderful time of the year? Um, I would say spring and specifically crisp Sancerre season is the most wonderful time of the year. Um, a, a pivot into summer doesn't hurt either. Snatcher, I do you love summer? I do love summer. I'm having a fabulous summer, but I don't love the heat of it all um, mm. and the, like, just chaos of, like, constantly, like, leaving every weekend and, like, figuring that out. Like, I am very excited for just, like, everyone to just come back to the city and, like, not have to, like, just, like, figure out everything every weekend. Like, I'm excited for that piece of summer to come back. No, weekend I mean, warrior a, yeah. time is traumatic. Like, we all quietly anticipate fall with, like, excitement. 
Yeah, is that what it's called? Weekend warrior. I mean, I, that's what I am—a weekend warrior. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's so true that, like, how else could it be described? You like pack your bags and you haul ass every weekend. Yeah, like it's yep. just—it's so exhausting. Damn, I mean, it's exhausting being the fabulous snatcher. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It is. Quite. Everyone wants a piece of you. Everyone wants you on their podcast. Everyone wants me on your podcast. Suh. You have multiple. Suh. Podcast. Suh. 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 How's Magnolia? She's so good. She's really getting the brunt of my summer, I know for sure. <laughs> um, but I'm very grateful that I can bring her to a place that, like, she loves. But, like, yeah, the summer's been, like, a little hard on us, for sure. She's also a weekend warrior. Oh, beyond. <laughs> beyond. Get that Magnolia so on the funny. podcast. We have to hear from her perspective. She's probably be like, thank God. My mom is so fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, she wants freedom. She, she wants, wants independence. To- and she wants to come down to Florida and have daiquiris by the pool with Bruce. It's co- we're, I'm coming. I know. I'm so excited. We'll get to that at a later date. But we have so much to do today. And as stated, I'm with some very busy girlies. So I'm going to get right to it. Because this month, we read A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. It was a Danish choice. It was a thriller. And before I get everyone's thoughts, which I am so curious to get everyone's thoughts, I'm going to do a quick little summary of the book for anyone who didn't read it. But I'm going to say on this one, if you didn't read it, read it. It's a little spooky and a little anxiety-inducing. So if you are easily frightened, um, don't read it at night was would be my advice but you should read it because it was so damn good so basically the story is about a girl named chloe we are switching off between present and past but it becomes very clear in the beginning of the book that she grew up in a small town in louisiana where one summer six girls went missing and a few weeks later it turned out that her father killed all of the girls and Chloe was actually the one to put the pieces together and turn him in now fast forward 20 years Chloe is getting married she's living her life in Baton Rouge she's a psychologist and all of a sudden girls start to go missing again and the girls who are going missing it feels very closely tied to Chloe herself and she feels like someone is you know messing with her and trying to get at her and it doesn't feel random. She goes on a quest to try and figure it out who it is alongside a reporter, quotes, air quotes around reporter Aaron Jansen. And Aaron's theory is that this is a copycat murderer who was inspired by her dad and just wants to do it bigger and better. Chloe goes down a trail of discovery and puts together that it is likely her fiance who is the one doing these things and that's potentially why he even sought out a relationship with her to begin with so she she is very freaked out and she goes to find one of the girls herself where in she comes upon Aaron Jansen and he is the murderer so you think that that is the book but then it turns out the reason why her fiance was so close to all of this is because for years he's been trying to get to the bottom of the case himself because he never suspected that it was her father some things just didn't add up and he put together that it was actually Chloe's brother who committed all those murders years ago he's the one who uh inspired Aaron Jansen to murder on his behalf this time around and Chloe's dad took the fall and went to jail because he didn't want to you know admit that it was his son so just when you think you have it figured out it twists and then it twisted again along the way there were it was so well written it wasn't just a good thriller like there were so many really good writing uh 
motifs I don't know what the word is like themes almost like the theme of dark and light like it was very so even though it was a thriller which is a departure for Dana it was Dana's choicey in the sense that it was uh what what word would you use to describe device no like I want to say like not lyrical thematically driven literary literary (laughs) yeah literary Yeah, like a Danish choice always is. It was very literary. So I want to get everyone's thoughts on the book. What did, what didn't we like? Dana, we're going to start with you as it was a Danish choice. Thank you so much for that wonderful recap. I will start with when I got to the last page and read the acknowledgments, I saw a shout out to Dan Conaway and then remember that I got that guy a vaccine appointment and I was like, what? what's happening? And then I read further and I realized that Josh's mom's agency was the agent for this book and I had absolutely no idea. So that oh was just God. like kind of a crazy thing that happened at the very end that I didn't bother to look up beforehand. So, so you're saying there's bias. No, it's crazy that like she's they're... being paid. She's being paid. <laughs> so this wasn't really a Dina's choice, right? Imagine if see. one of you was like accepting cash to influence your choice. She actually always is like, you should use one of my books for the redheads, and I never have. So now I am excited to tell her that we unknowingly did. So that was just a crazy like little thing about it. But I loved the book. It was like the exact palate cleanser that I needed, really, because. It was quick, it was short, but it was still like very riveting and suspenseful. It kept me on my toes. I feel like at one point I thought every single character was possibly guilty, but I was never mm-hmm. steadfast in like my conviction conviction on any one of them. Like I thought the mom did it for a while. I did never think it was Daniel because they were like leading us to that too intensely. Um, but I will say my only complaints for three moments that drove me crazy, which was one, when the cops allowed Chloe and her mom to return home after they realized her dad was the serial killer. I was like, in what fucking world is this normal? Two, and this is like small but really irked me, when she planned her bachelorette party as a decoy and thought that he would never find out when like that was obviously the worst excuse ever. Um, and the third one was when her mom was like tapping out words at the nursing home and then she split and like never returned to figure out what she was saying. So I know, the, and I knew it was. I knew it was Dad. I oh, knew did it you? Daniel. I actually didn't yeah. figure that out. I was like, it's I Daniel. Did. <laughs> I did. I'm a sleuth. <laughs> you guys, I always thought it was Daniel. I never thought it was Dad that she was tapping out. Um, <laughs> but to add to your list, Dana, of crazy yeah. things that irked, um, her having sex with Aaron Jansen after. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, that oh was god. out that, of control. No, like it didn't need to happen. Knowing that he is a mass murderer, like. That was just unnecessary. Crazy. Also, just a plot hole that bothered me was that remember when the dad turned himself in and he said he would do it and like tell them where the bodies are? Yeah. And then they never found the bodies. So where- Because the dad didn't know where the bodies were. Obviously, but he said he would. And then he, like, they just never covered that. They thought that it was like either he was lying or that like the Louisiana like swamp ate them like creatures. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that oh. that tracked. And they found, like, Mm. some debris and, like, little DNA things, but not the whole body. And also, I'm sorry, wait. And also something, maybe I, like, was reading between the lines, but, like, when they were, like, um, bringing, when he, she kept seeing the dad coming out of the woods with the shovel. It was really a redhead question, so I'm so happy you're with the She was seeing Cooper? Yeah, Yeah. so she thought she saw her dad, but it turns out that it was So you thought you saw, like, a 45-year-old man, not a 16-year-old boy. The description was like, he was always, like, a a bulky, husky 16-year-old. 
They like yeah. emphasized that point, but I agree it was like a little unfair for us to have heard it was her dad and then have her memory be faulty. But I feel like it goes into that a lot in the book, like faulty narrator. How much do you trust her perspective, especially with the drugs and the alcohol? Yeah. Uh, so Bex, did you like the book? Now that we've all covered what we didn't like about <laughs> it. I loved this book. A psychological thriller. What could be better in the middle of summer on a beach? Um, I really appreciated how character driven it was. I feel like that's always incredibly interesting to like see that development. Um, I also really like the perspective of the book coming from the killer's daughter, um, Mm -hmm. because I feel like it had the ability to be biased, but then it shows like a, a level of like mental fortitude that she was able to truly see her father as a monster and like so clearly like black and white, how horrific these crimes were, which is like pretty like this is still your father this is still your family like it it was pretty unbelievable um you could see like chloe was like very emotionally sensitive and like in touch but also very resilient and also at times i thought what was interesting was like she was seen like somewhat as like an unreliable heroine which i felt like added like a complicated layer for us as readers like do we trust her fully or like is she a little off the rails yeah so i just thought like that was like such an incredibly like well strewn together like plot and characters etc like everything really worked for me because like I was second guessing myself like the same way that she was and then there was a point where I was like is she the one doing it but like because she's like on pills like she's like blacking out and not remembering and then doing it and like coming to herself I really thought it might go that way which would be like Mm -hmm. a little bit unbelievable but um yeah no I, I like couldn't tell for a while like whether or not I could trust her yeah, it kind of reminded me of Girl on the Train in that yeah. sense, where it's mm-hmm. like you think that this person is really messy and so they're capable of anything, but then no, it actually turns out to be there's a very logical reason. And what was so interesting is like, of course, in the first half, I suspected Daniel because really everything he said is so perfect. He makes her feel so comfortable. It's like giving mm-hmm. sociopath. But then I realized like they want you to suspect him a little bit. So then I would read everything like he said and did through the lens of like if he's guilty or if he's innocent. And it really works for both. Yeah. And so it left it open to really be believable that he didn't do it. And that like forever, like once she was wearing the sister's ring, I was like Sosha because I was like how yeah but then in hindsight like it all adds up and I think that is the making of like a great thriller where it's not just like some spooky mystery person named a wearing a hood who's like shows up (laughs) like a magician and is able to like slip through walls and does you know like everything really made sense which made it even better and I really I feel like we read we read so many books all of us period so it's really hard to get one by us and I think at one point when she was meeting with Aaron Jansen, I think the second time they had coffee or whatever, I started to suspect it was him, that he was the copycat, that he was obsessed. But I never, and so I saw that one coming, but I never thought about the brother and that. And so like, I love that there was just like one more twist. I love that there was one more twist. I'm such an impressionable reader that every single twist I was like oh my god like I I was I was being jolted every which direction like I had no idea who did it I had no idea which way it was up like I was just along for the ride it was wild woman in the window anyone read that no also like faulty narrator sitch and I just don't like when that's the case because it doesn't give the reader a chance to figure it out so I as you said liked how this book was like ripe for us and analyzing each word and correctly yeah 
I thought it was really great. I'm so glad that we all liked it. So as we Whew. dive into the redhead questions, yes, Dana has definitely <laughs> redeemed herself with this one. And you know what else I like? I mean, about the book, the author, this is her first book. And I was looking at her Instagram and she's like our age, maybe even younger. Huh. And she just like crushed it with her first book. And she actually has another book coming out really quickly. I'm sure on the heels of the success of this one. And I just feel like she has a really illustrious career ahead of her. Wow, good for her. Yeah. I mean, apparently there's like a big like thriller community and they're like, welcome, Stacy, you made it. <laughs> Dead. That's so funny. Good for <laughs> Stacy. I'm happy for Stacy. Okay, let's get into our redhead questions. This book did come with a reader's book club guide, so I love it even more. Before we get into the questions, I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Dipsy. Summer is here, as we've previously stated, and we love summer. With the smell of fresh blooms and the sun shining down on us, you can't help but feel inspired to spice things up and explore your inner desires and fantasies. Find stories that match your mood this season on Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. Find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent or hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. They even have stories designed specifically for your zodiac sign. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with your partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash book. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash book, dipsystories.com slash book. Thanks, Dipsy. Now, our first question from the Reader's Guide. The book opens with a prologue, the first line being, quote, I thought I knew what monsters were. Why do you think the author chose to start the book with this line? What were your expectations for the book after reading this prologue? Mm. Um, I definitely knew that there was something shysty going on within the family because, like, she kept being, like, she would run from the bus to the home, and then she's like, little did I know, like, it was in the home or whatever. The thing is, though, when she in the beginning, I thought I knew what monsters were. It obviously means like I thought I knew, but it turns out the monsters are my dad. But it, for the past twenty years, like I thought I knew what monsters were, my dad. But mm. monsters are actually my brother. brother. It's a brother. Oh, great call. Yeah, yeah. I was reading it just so surface of like monster in plain sight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, in the beginning, it's like I thought I I I didn't read the description for the book, but when I read the description after I read the book, it says like girl's father is a killer. But in the beginning, I was like, ooh, I know it's the father. And it's like, <laughs> it says, like, the father killed eight, six girls. I'm like, I just know it's the father. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering at, like, what point it was, like, so obvious that it was the dad and at what point, like, I was just figuring it out, you know? Yeah, yeah I actually feel the same way because I read the description. But I forgot that it wasn't, like, made clear to us right away. Yeah, but I when I figured it out, I was like, I'm the only person. <laughs> Genius. Did you write this? I cracked the book. Honestly, the book opened with a Nietzsche quote, which is very on par for Dana. Incredibly on brand. What was the quote? Um, let me pull it up. It, it was the first thing I highlighted. It was literally the first word of the book. 
It was very I, refreshing. Like, I chose this book because I was like, I need a total 180 from the last one. Like, give the people what they want. This has great reviews. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, an added bonus that was also well-written. Yeah. Yes, that made it very Dana's choicey. Yes. Yeah, whoever fights monsters should see to it that, in the process, he does not become a monster. If you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah. also, that's Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. I thought at the end she was going to become the next serial killer. Like, I mean, <laughs> literally, like, good riddance if she doesn't. Like, th- that will be, like, the strongest bitch I've ever seen after what she's gone through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone in her life is a fucking killer. Can she, this girl catch a break? No, she can't trust anyone. It's Nor crazy. should she. Yeah. Okay, the next question. Chloe struggles to define home. On page 20, she says home. That, too, is a loaded phrase. A home isn't just a house, a collection of bricks and boards held together by concrete and nails. It's more emotional than that. A home is safety, security. What is Chloe's home? How did you define the idea before reading? And and how, if at all, has that definition changed? I feel like her safest place, honestly, was her office. Yeah. Like, that's where she felt most at home that's where her mind always went to when she was in a bind granted it was mostly because of the pills that were stored there which in a way was also kind of her home the pills were home yeah like those were her biggest safety net and I think it's getting at that like home was not her physical home because she couldn't trust anything in there yeah no it was definitely her office I think that's a good point. I think it's just yeah. a place of security and solace. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. But you know what it reminds me of? I remember, like, in one interview, Kanye was talking about, like, home is wherever his kids is, kids are. And he was like, home is on FaceTime. He's like, oh, if I'm FaceTiming oh. my daughter, I'm home. I thought that was really nice. Oh. Yeah, but that's sad. That means that he's not with her. Yeah. But that he can't, like, as long as he's, like, with her or talking to her, he's home. He does always nail it. I just I always think about like that quote and this yeah. question asked about it. So thought I'd share. Thanks, Jax. <laughs> okay, next question. On page seventy six, Chloe says this about lightning bugs. Quote I remember getting home that night and seeing the lightning bugs in our driveway, twinkling like constellations in the sky, the way they always did. But that night it felt different. They felt different. I remember catching one in my palm, feeling it flutter between my fingers as I brought it in, placing it delicately inside a water glass, covering the lip in plastic. End quote. Lightning bugs can be seen throughout the story. What do they symbolize in a flicker in the dark? Ooh, that's a Dana question. Well, like literally it was Lena's belly button ring, which was the kind of thread that unraveled the entire story that was chloe's first friend that was her dad's first murder her brother's first murder and late like lightning bugs literally flicker in the dark with their light but more figuratively i feel like it was referencing how she'd have like moments of clarity that were so opaque that she couldn't put her finger on like kind of a gut feeling of why she felt that way but it happened Mm. like I think they said the word flicker a thousand times throughout the book. Like, and it was noticeable because of the title, but like a flicker in her mom's eyes briefly indicated her sanity. Like her eyes flickered to the dark doorstep. Like it was just constantly pulling us into this split second moment where something didn't feel right, but you couldn't really put your hands on it. Ooh, that's good. I had a more literal interpretation where it's like, I think the lightning bugs are, symbolic of like the human spirit you know oh, i love and, that and i kind of went all, that direction too keep going all these girls are like little bugs and their light was you know vanquished but at, and at the end like how she has the lightning bug and she sh- like looks in to see its light and like i don't know i just felt like that was her no that's so at. good 
That's so the good. life of the girls. I saw it as like monsters under the bed and you like see like their eyes first and like that's the flicker in the dark. Wow, that's a good one too. That is good snitch. I okay, was good. closest aligned to Jack's. Yeah, there's a lot of flickers. We all like to flicker. <laughs> we all have flickers in the dark. Okay, also, I don't know if this is going to come up in conversation, but did anyone get the vibe that Chloe was in love with Lena? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. But like, oh, no, but okay. not not romantically. I thought she was just like looked up to her as an older cool girl. I never thought there was like a sexualized innuendo there. I thought I thought the first for sure, but then as we got further on, I was like I I thought maybe it was like more than that. I think Lena was just so symbolic for a host of reasons yeah. and it was just it, it kept coming up because of how like influential influential she was like across like everything. Like yeah. being a like one of her first friends and also being the first one who's killed and also like it being her like I don't know I just felt like it was everything she was so sensationalized for so many reasons like if she lived who knows if she would even remember Lena in her yes, life yes <laughs> yes I was just thinking that too but it was just like the fact that she died in such a horrific way at yeah. that time like it's like you know stunted in yeah, yeah. Chloe's mind but also mm-hmm. like who the fuck does Lena think she is like holding a murder over Cooper like you've seen right. what this person is capable of like how could you be so reckless yeah. that was on, uh, also kind of a little unbelievable because Lena's like a young girl like and it's like yeah you can act all like high and mighty and cool but like when there's murder on the line like I doubt you like dangle it above someone's head like you like go they did a good job at making us think that like Lena's dad was more involved than he was in everything oh I didn't think so for one second oh I was like he did something to Lena or like I thought he was way more suspicious than what it ended up being oh no I thought he was a red herring is that the phrase (laughs) yeah yeah Another yeah. to your earliest list, Dana, another thing that really, really got me like so incredibly irked was her letting him into her home when she is so petrified oh by my this God. man. You couldn't simply say, okay, thank you for coming over. I'm going to go check some other things out before I decide to in- let you install security that you could then tap into from your own home system yeah. and mark my surroundings at every point. And, and more then than also, that. didn't even cross her mind, though, that, like, he might have access to the cameras as well. And, like, not that just he no, that's what I'm saying. the blind spots. He could literally watch her at all times. I know. Yeah. And when he started Wild. questioning him, that was epic. When he's like, I'm sorry, do you not think that I know who you are? And like, that funny. was yeah, ironic. Yeah, I didn't know if he was going to know. I liked how that played out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. The juxtaposition between darkness and light is everywhere in this book. How do these images, these feelings, play off of one another? Well, what I thought was really smart, it's like, of course, darkness and light and the flicker and the light goes out and the light comes on. But then also that monologue of I have this darkness inside of me also played to this trope. And I just thought it really came so full circle. Also her, like, renewed home, like, all, like, bleached in white. Like, everything was white. I feel like that was, like, the lightness that she was trying to achieve. And it was, like, so tainted by everything that was going on in present day. Mm-hmm. It was, like, when her dad originally said that spiel about the darkness inside of him, my kind of first reaction was, like, 
a little bit of sympathy, like, oh my God, he's so tortured. He can't possibly live. And I love that she was like, this is insane. Like I'm just another white male blaming like some third party source and never internalizing his own doing in this. And I was like, wait, you're right. Like that's a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like I was kind of like, oh my God, imagine living with this your whole life. And then, then she made me realize like, no, this does not count as a legitimate excuse. It's just so yeah. crazy that Cooper said that to the dad and then the yeah. dad repeated it. No, but it also makes sense. It's like yeah. he has to convince this jury that mm-hmm. it was him. So let's say what the actual person said. And yeah. like what an epic like fuck you to Cooper. Like, yeah, you're going to watch me say this. You know what we never really got? Hmm. Evidence. Like uh, you need evidence to put someone no, in No, but jail. he fully he admitted, admitted it, it on camera. Right, for sure. For sure. But also, like, in general, you need to have evidence to corroborate a story. Excuse? I think, like, a witness, uh, like, a firsthand um, admission. Yeah. A confession. I yeah. don't yeah. think that yeah, I, I, I literally, I do not think that a confession is enough. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Like, you personally don't believe that? <laughs> I'm saying, like, don't you need, like, actual proof, too, to, like, prove it? Like, oh, DNA well, or, like, a weapon or Often, something. like, in a trial, they use your confession, like, plus other things. Um, but I don't know. But that would also be if he, like, was didn't intend to plead guilty or whatnot. I'm just saying. I think I might have a point. I think they probably could corroborate it. Like, they went back on the dad and asked him the truth. Like, they had all of the uh, keepsakes that Jansen had, but, like, could be traced back to him, probably. You're right that they probably need, like, evidence, evidence, but a confession is, like, a huge step towards that. For sure. I was just just talking about the evidence piece. (laughs) Cool, cool. Okay, next question. By the way, I meant the evidence of the dad, not Cooper. Oh. I'm sorry. I was talking about the dad. Well, the dad went on trial. They had the box in his... I mean, if you have those tokens from a murder, like, that's the evidence. Hmm. And then they had the daughter saying she saw him. So then they went to trial, and he didn't deny it. Right, 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 right. You're right. Okay, never mind. He pled guilty to take a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so now next question. How are the past and present treated in A Flicker in the Dark, and how does this affect readers' understanding of events as the book progresses? How did this affect your understanding of Chloe? I'm going to throw this question to Snitch because I feel like she typically hates, like, all the back and forth, but I do wonder how you enjoyed it in this book. Um, Did it bother you? It did. Mm. Like, when we got, like, when we would be, like, hearing, like, reading about current things, and then all of a sudden, like, we're at the fair. I wasn't into that. Like, it was annoying. Um, But it didn't bother me as much as it, like, normally does. But regardless, like, I just, the flip-flop is annoying. It was weird. Like, I was so intent on figuring out who the murderer was and, like, love the present day so I could get closer to that. But I actually think I preferred the past. I thought it was, like, a better, more interesting story. Me too. Yeah, because we started to get answers, but then I wanted more answers in the present. I just want answers, you know? Yeah, answers would be nice. (laughs) Okay, next question. On page 199, Chloe says, quote, I've seen that look before, that look that shows the very first hint of concern, not for my safety, but for my mind, that look that makes me feel like my words are not to be trusted, that my slow unravel is getting faster and faster, spiraling out of control until pretty soon I'll be nothing. 
end quote. How did you feel about Chloe as a narrator, reliable or unreliable? Why do you think the author chose to portray Chloe this way? I, even though like we were meant to think that she was messy and unreliable, I trusted her. I don't know why I did, but I just did. Like I believed that she saw the necklace in the closet. I didn't think that these things were imaginations. I agree. I didn't doubt her. I just was getting annoyed at her. I'm like, can you stop drinking after you take these pills? Because then your memory is fuzzy and I do trust you. So like, it's just not helping. Agree. Agree. I honestly, when everybody was calling her out on her pills and Cooper was like, I just hate to see you. And like, I don't condone anybody taking too much of, of anything. She's had a lot of trauma. Girl needs no, to totally. you know, By the way, she's had a lot of trauma. And like, if she needs like a Xanax, like, I get it. Like, yeah, that's why, like, usually, women, Aaron Jensen usually, was like, do you want to take this? I was like, honestly, yeah, you should. Yeah. yeah. But usually in a book, like, anytime there's a pill bottle on the, or just, like, in a show where, you know, the the glass of wine is like, glug, glug, glug. It's like, oh, red flag. You know, someone has a problem. Yeah. It's like, no, she needs to cope. She'll never be okay. Let the girl live. She like, needs to sleep, too, and there's no other way to achieve that. And she has insomnia. And also, like, it's not like she was taking, like, multiple, honestly. Like, besides that one time with, Aaron Jansen, but she was always taking like one Xanax, like maybe a day. She was fine. But Aaron Jansen drugged her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she took the two and then also drugged her with the water. Yeah, yeah. It so that crazy, wasn't her fault. Though. She would have been fine. She but she been like fine. ordered in prescriptions to Daniel's name without him knowing and was a practicing psychologist. Like that's like very illegal. Yeah, yeah. Not good. Next question. Chloe's a trained psychologist. However, due to the trauma she has experienced, she has a hard time taking her own advice. In fact, she often ends up putting herself in dangerous situations trying to find out what happened to the missing girls. Do you think she ever went too far? Yes, I thought she was going too far when she went back to the house for sure. But then it case closed really quickly and it all worked out. So I was happy that she did that. She didn't like find herself in a bad situation. She had a gun on her. You know, it would have been nice if she had backup and she didn't go alone, but she she can't trust anyone. So what's a girl to do? Yeah, yeah. That's right. I thought she went too far by like going back to her childhood home, like trying to chase Daniel, like not knowing what was about to happen, not bringing her phone with her. Right. <laughs> no, I, I left go. it in the car. Oops. Oops. Like, oops, you're yeah. about to get killed. Oops. I also, thought she went. Yeah, go snitch. I was going to say, did anyone else feel so bad for Daniel's mom? When That's what I was going to say. Yes. And she just ran and like, she could have like given an explanation. I don't know. But like, that was terrible. Yeah. yeah. That was my example of her going way too far. Like going to Daniel's mother's house. I disagree. I think also, she needed to, to go there. Ugh. Also, no, no, no. But like go there. But like when every, when then she had the ring, like you explained. Also, I feel like now Daniel, obviously the father is still a piece of crap. But I feel like now Daniel and the sister are both, like, very much adults where, like, they should probably tell the mother that, like, (laughs) she's alive. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They owe it to the mother. But, like, I think they're so mad at her for not protecting For sure. But also, it's not like they have to have a relationship, but maybe just be like, hey, by the way, I'm alive. Hate you. We'll never forgive you. Just want you to know. Yeah. That reminds me of a movie I saw this month since our last recording. The girl... With the dragon tattoo. <laughs> oh, yeah. That the whole story is about what happened to that girl. I forgot about that. I read those I, books so long ago. Same. I never read the books and I just saw the movie. But it's, it is pertinent book news since it is a fascinating book. Oh, it's an For, amazing book. So good. 
Yeah. Next I question. I never read it, but it's Halperin's favorite book of all time. It's so did, good. Did you watch the movie with us, Nitch? Were you there? Are you Are you kidding? Yeah, you were there. Yeah. So why are you acting like I never read it? You didn't read it. No, but you you just said it in a way like you don't know the story. No, I'm, I didn't mean it. That's like the that. vibe you were giving. Doesn't know story. You should read Sorry. the girl with the lower back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Is it good? No, like I loved it because I loved her. But if you're not obsessed with her, it's like not a good book. Okay, fair. <laughs> Next, the setting of Louisiana Summers plays an important part in A Flicker in the Dark. How does it tie various characters together? How does it pull them apart? I just want to say I've never really read a book set in like Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, and I loved being in a new place with like a new culture and like new food, new, you know, critters, everything. I thought it was great. I agree. I just, I, I had read Where the Crawdads Sing so long ago, but we re- recently listened to it on tape and it's a very similar, like not on tape, like, like on a car Audible. ride <laughs> audio <laughs> and it's a really similar setting. So like swampy, marshy. And I just thought like it, it was crazy how similar it was. And I was like, I feel like I'm always here. Oh, that's so interesting. It didn't remind me of Crawdads. Crawdads reminds me of OBX, the show. Yeah, I could see that too. It was just like the swampy nature, the alligators and like their eyes and the water and like the the land and barns and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. thinking how the Dolly Parton book, we were all so invested in Nashville and how this book, I was like, I know nothing about Louisiana. Yeah. And also like last book, we were in Portland. Where were we? Girls with Bright Future. Oh, Seattle? Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. yeah. That was cool, too. I like getting into a new place. Me, too. Same. Next up, what were the book's twists? Did you guess them? Which was the most surprising? Okay, so I want to know from everyone, like, when you realized things, what really got you? Dana, what was the biggest shocker for you? I really thought that the mom did it. Like, I know that's psychotic, but I thought she was faking it the whole time. And this was like an elaborate ploy to like have everyone think she was mute. And when she started tapping, I was like, I'm right. Like this whole time she's been lucid and like, it's going to come out. Oh my God. Yeah. So that shook me. I knew it wasn't Daniel. I did think it was Coop for a little bit. Have you guys seen uh, Mayor of Easttown? Mm -mm. Yeah. So like, sim- well, sorry to ruin it for you, but it's just the fact that it's like serial killer DNA. Yeah. And just like uh, a parent protecting a kid. So like that was in the back of my mind and I was rocked by the New York Times reporter. I did not for one that second think that was fake. Oh, I okay. Also, another piece that was very weird is that she looked him up and didn't realize that the person she met wasn't him. Well, I think she was like, just it. like bias, kind of like no, oh, she, like, yeah. But she was like, they kind of looked like. Like, I'm sorry, you have eyes. No, but no, was she didn't say that. She said like he flannel. looked different. He looked like bigger and kind of better than his picture. So who's yeah. going to question that? <laughs> Plus, I did think it was weird. She was like, oh yeah, and he's wearing his gingham shirt and glasses. I'm like, for I had a flash of a thought like that's weird. A that flicker? He has to be wearing the same. <laughs> a flicker of a thought. I was like, it's weird that he has to be wearing the same thing. Like, what? No, who cares? But that was key. Yeah. Because it made him look like his picture. For sure. Yeah. That I did not get and that. Chloe was just like so focused on like not talking to the press. What are they going to ask her? This or that? Like she wasn't for one second thinking like this is not press. Yeah. So crazy. My biggest like holy shit was I think when they went to Daniel's mom's house 
and they were asking about her missing daughter and she said my daughter is Sophie Briggs my name's Diane Briggs and I realized that it was his sister and I was like oh my god this is so crazy because at the time I still thought Daniel was the killer because I am an impressionable (laughs) young little lady I knew that one too I was getting confused that I thought Sophie might have at one point been that other messing girl that they couldn't tie into it and then I Uh realized they were two totally different people but at that moment yeah Tara King I knew it was going to be Daniel's mom's house. I, How the fuck did you know that? I just did. Oh, I, 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 I was the same as right. Because she was going to get the proof. Like, she <laughs> was going to get the proof that she needed about Daniel. So she was like going back. He has a yeah. missing sister. I, I really thought, though, that Aaron Jansen, it was just Aaron Jansen was the copycat. I thought that she should have gone and spoken to her dad sooner because if there was a copycat murderer who was obsessed with him, he probably would have went and visited the dad to, like, learn from him. So even if it was just a copycat, he should have. she should have gone and spoken to her but dad. That's what he but thought, that's what she thought Daniel was doing. So, like, why would she have to go talk to her dad? Because she has the records of Daniel going there. True. Trills counts. But I, if she just fucking went, she would have spoken to her dad and been like, someone's doing this again, and her dad would have been like, it's the same person. At one point, I had the undoing in my head where I was like, maybe it is Daniel. Like, they just want you to not think it is because they're making it so obvious that it is. But in the yeah, end, yeah, yeah. it ended up being him the whole time. So true. Um, do you think if she went to see her dad that he would have said, it's Cooper? Yes, because I don't think her dad would want more girls to be killed. But by turning himself in and not turning in cooper he let more girls be killed because there's a killer on the loose sorry i have a question it was aaron jansen though right yes because he was like working with and for cooper but my biggest question about the whole book is okay so cooper wanted to do something big for the 20th anniversary like he's a a, an insane serial killer and like that's his idea of fun sure but like why was he targeting chloe and like Making, making her, her crazy and going after girls that she knew. Like, why was it, I why was she the game? As a way to get rid of Daniel because Daniel was on to Cooper. So Cooper was doing it not only to kill more girls, but to also frame Daniel. Yeah. And get that him out of the picture. was my exact plot hole question. And Snitch, I think you're 100% right. Uh, I agree. Because Daniel was on to him and visiting her dad in jail to get the confession and telling him that he was killing more people and he needed to step up. Like, that's definitely why he brought Chloe into it. Yeah. Yeah. But why not just kill Daniel? Totally. Totally. Well, because then it's Because then it would have been who, like, who is going to be the murderer of Daniel's dad. No, but instead of killing the girls, why then just kill Daniel? No, Rebecca's saying, like, for the book's sake. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but they could have given us a reason as to why he couldn't kill Daniel. Maybe Daniel is, like, bigger than him or something. Also, like, Daniel knowing her dad did it, didn't do it, and that it was probably Cooper, but not telling her that he was visiting her dad in jail. Like, that was a little ridiculous. Yeah, but it was good. Yeah. Now, final DBQ question. Given the ending, what do you see next for Chloe? Now, I just want to say I completely ship Daniel and Chloe. I think that they need to get back together. Like, one, after everything that they've been through, really, how could they be with another? But two, like, they were perfect for each other. And now that he really knows her and she really knows him, like, now's the time to be together. I completely agree. I was actually shocked that they broke up. Not really that shocked because of all they went through. But I'm like, okay, you guys, you just got through the hardest thing. You can get through this. You can get 
get through anything. Like, let's give it a go, mm-hmm. a good college try. Yeah, and like, yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard for Chloe to open up to anyone, and especially now there's like two more murdered girls. She's killed someone. She has even more emotionally on her plate than ever before and it's like she finally got to a place of understanding with Daniel where she can where he knows who she is now internally and I don't see her getting to that place with a stranger when she, when that chapter started like July 26th my wedding day I was like awesome they're gonna this is gonna be the wedding and it was not and I wish it was yeah I do think though that the author left it open like for them to get back together but just that they couldn't like it couldn't be like a sort of they're like eight girls are dead we're not yeah. having like a happily ever after yeah, yeah that's a great yeah. point yeah we need to take some time to to breathe under <laughs> sequel yeah okay now it's time for the redhead questions you guys emailed us some of your questions about the books things you liked things that confused you and we are here to answer them so first up did anyone else feel bad for Daniel at the end do you think it's unfair of Chloe to not give him a second chance after lying about his sister given that she hadn't been 100% honest with him I don't think that's what was happening like I don't think she I agree. W- wasn't giving him a second chance I think to your earlier point there was just they had been through too much I imagine it was a fairly mutual parting of ways yeah I agree Next, did I miss something or is the timeline not adding up with what Chloe reported to the police about her dad? She mentioned seeing her dad with a shovel, but if her dad found the jewelry box with the jewelry in it, does that mean he assisted with burying some of the girls? Or did Chloe just see her dad with a shovel randomly? I thought her dad found the jewelry after the murders had taken place and then realized Cooper was responsible. So my understanding is that it actually wasn't the dad with the shovel. She saw a figure emerge and her dad and her brother have a similar build and it was actually her brother, but she thought it was her dad. Correct. Correct. But that's like a big thing to get wrong. Correct. Massive. Yeah. (laughs) Well, some would say life or death. (laughs) Yeah, but it wasn't that like shovel thing that put him in jail because that's really hearsay. You know, witness testimony cannot be relied upon. It was the box of jewelry and the fact that he didn't say that's my son's he never said that's not mine he didn't say that's not my plate but also like what about the mom she found out after but not at the time of his arrest like shortly thereafter how did she find out yeah uh i think he told her but it was like no i'm pretty sure he told her beforehand because i remember chloe said she was like it was at that moment where i realized that my mom knew the whole time Right, and that's why the mom let them go back to the house because she knew he wouldn't hurt them because he's not a murderer. Yeah, that timeline is a little unclear, but she definitely knew. I just don't know at which point. Yeah, Or it might have been like, no, I, I don't think she knew, Jackie, um, when they were going back to the house that it wasn't the dad. But remember how Chloe went upstairs and... Um, the dad like told the mom to stay and was like, I have something to tell you or like, is there something you want to tell me? Something like that. I think then was when he told her. But would that require the mom saying like, we found your jewelry box? No, she wouldn't have done that. No, but I'm saying maybe like, that was just how we started the conversation. And then he was like, well, I have something to tell you. And then he tells her. And they like mutually were like, we have to protect our son. That's more important. Like John Benet Ramsey's parents. (laughs) LOL counts. Okay, next up. Did any of you think the plot was going in the direction of the main character, Chloe, living in her own distorted version of reality? And we were going to find out it was all made up. I really liked that when I thought I had figured out the plot. I twisted a little bit more. But since the story was told from Chloe's point of view, you never quite knew where her mind was. 
Oh, I never thought for a second that she was like, I would have been absolutely pissed. I would have given this book a two. Yeah, no, I hate reading something and then it's like, psych. It crossed my mind because of Woman in the Window, if you ever read it, but I never actually thought it was her. Okay, yeah. Next, where do you see Chloe in five years from now? I could see the path of healing, forgiveness with her father, sobriety, and finding love, but her mention of finding joy out of taking control from others also made me see a path of further drug abuse, mistrust, and manipulation to chase that feeling of control. I just don't see how someone who has been through this much is ever going to, you know, be quote-unquote like normal and joyful and have an easy interior life. But that's why she needs to get back together with Daniel so that they can shoulder the burden together. Totally. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think there's too many rainbows in her future, sadly. That's really sad. But <laughs> yeah. maybe like when she has kids of her own, she'll be able to repair a lot of like the mistrust and the fact that she has no family and all of that. Yeah. I think that's what's next for Chloe. I hope Hopefully. so. Yeah. Next, do you think it's possible that Cooper tried to kill the mom? I like this theory. I mean, would the mother really want to take her own life and then leave Chloe motherless with a father in jail and with her only relative, her brother, a serial killer? You know what? Yes. And also, Chloe said that when they found the mom, Cooper hesitated calling 911 because, like, he was so shook. But I think Cooper did it. Wow. That's crazy to think about. And the mother was never well enough again to say it was him. It's like a compelling yeah, well, theory. He's incredibly lucky that she like was paralyzed and couldn't speak. So I don't know that that normally happens. I don't know. A part of me was just like she's so riddled with guilt that her husband's in jail and her son is a serial killer and she's not doing anything about either. But I don't know. This theory is is compelling. I like this theory. I don't think she would leave Chloe without a mom with a dad in jail and with a serial killer for a brother and the same like just leaving and and he kills little girls and she's a little girl i agree it wow they figured it out it never stops it <laughs> never stops wow that's a really great theory and i think that we 100 percent cracked it it also reminds me of did anyone read the good sister yes with the mom and she's in a similar situation yes, and then it yes. turns it's literally great call book. yes the good sister by sally hepworth highly recommend really good next what happened to the bodies it makes sense that the father couldn't leave the authorities to the bodies since he didn't do the killing but if chloe saw her brother with a shovel in the backyard then why was there no sign of the bodies also this reader has a book recommendation for dana called tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle's zevin she thinks it's right up your alley so just want you to know that um Um, so the bodies chloe realized where he put the bodies and it's where they used to play as kids in that hiding spot that was like straightforwardly addressed yeah but you know what sometimes like there's so many words and if you just (laughs) skip a paragraph i don't do it but i actually don't even do that and i miss something sometimes like i'll say something this didn't add up and you guys will be like girl they literally said it totally Mm I think this reader was asking the same thing Snitch asked, which is why didn't they find the bodies when the dad led them to them originally? No, she's just wondering where the bodies are now. I think that Chloe realized where the bodies were when she knew it was Cooper. It's where they used to play as kids. She led the police there, and they eventually find some remains, and the parents can be at peace. Could you imagine, like, going to that location now, like, 20 years later? It's just so shocking. So shocking. So spooky. Yeah. Also, what was kind of sad is, like, he murdered six girls that summer, and, like, 
we only heard about like Lena's story. Yeah. You know, the other five, because obviously it was the most impactful and it was the first and then he just kept doing it. But I think the other girls were mentioned like three times by name. Yeah. Do you think he killed other women during the years? During, how could you not? How could he not? He has a darkness inside of him. Right. You can't just turn it on or off. And my next question is, do you think that he started doing the killing again because it was the 20-year anniversary or because he wanted Daniel away? Both. But Both, I think, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not convinced he was killing sporadically in the interim years because I think the point his dad was trying to drive home when he got arrested on his behalf of be good was like, please don't fucking kill anyone and I will go to jail for you. And so right, maybe... but like all it took was telling him to be good to turn, <laughs> turn it around. Yeah, it's a little... A little uh, minimalist for a serial killer to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I think the 20 uh, No, but also, Chloe said he would, like, go away for, like, weeks or months at a time. He was, like, never could hold down a steady relationship. Like, he would, like, go through stuff and leave and come back, and they would be close. He was leaving. He was going somewhere else. He was killing someone else and then coming back. Yeah. That's what he was doing. Yeah. I have a question for everyone here. Hmm. Would you go to jail... For your child and i, feel I was like actually jackie going to answer. ask jackie that that's so funny snitch because i think it's for fucking a, insane but for like a maybe. murderer no right right no. okay because like then there's a murder on the loose yeah killing little girls yeah no no and okay. it's like similar how chloe was able to like use her mental fortitude to like look at her father and say you are a monster when she thought he was the killer like Unfortunately, I think parents have to look at their kids and be like, something is dark inside of you and you're sort of a monster and, like, we need to deal with this accordingly. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, next Redhead's question. What was Cooper's reasoning for having Tyler kill the girls 20 years later and not himself? All his life he's tried to protect Chloe and then he decides to taunt her again with these kills. What did she do to him? Why does he do it this way? So we established that it was to frame Daniel. Yeah. But it is a good question. Why have tyler do it not him yeah that part confused me too and like why did tyler even need to reach out to her maybe like because sometimes you know in for example when they have the engagement party and cooper was at the house all day he could not have possibly killed he had an alibi i think that also threw people off of his trail and instead of like trying to it was also better for like the reader to be able to be like okay couldn't have been cooper because he was there but it was he was still the mastermind you know because sometimes like someone they'll say someone did something it's like dan humphrey being gossip girl and then you go back and watch the episodes and it's like no he couldn't why would he talk about jenny losing her virginity he's her brother but with someone else like it kind of allows the whole thing to be more believed and they emphasized how for him it was less about the killing and more about the control so like he was still in control of the whole thing by making tyler do it it was like that's all he wanted yeah so true okay our final question i have a big problem where at the start of the top of my page i find myself jumping to the last sentence of the page before i read what's in front of me i have to actively tell myself not to read ahead anyone else any advice okay sometimes when there's like in the page a page break because it's like a note and here's what the note says and it's like in different font i'm like tempted to jump i actually put my hand up and block it so that i don't skip ahead Wow. That's hilarious. 
Sometimes when I know we're about to find out critical mm-hmm. information, I can't help but jump. I'm just I like, I need to I know. I need to know. Time. Yeah. Every time. I put my hand up. So, girl, I'm right there with you, and I think you need to put your hand up per Jack. <laughs> yeah, or take an Adderall. <laughs> What what would that do? Like, I don't know if she's jumping not because she's so eager to get to the answer, but because she's, like, distracted and... Oh, no, she's eager, I think. Like, okay. she wants to, like, see the end of the page. Got it. Um, also, what I love about this book is, like, all of these questions where someone felt like something was a loose end or this didn't make sense, we have been able to come up with a logical explanation mm-hmm. for everything. Like, it's all in the text. Yeah. And... That rocks. That's a great point. That's the sign of a great freaking novel. Like, Stacy thought of everything. I need to know if Stacy had Cooper kill the mom. I will ask Josh's mom if she has any insights from Writer House tonight. Well, <laughs> Stacy um, commented on our Instagram and was, like, so excited that we chose this book. Oh, my God. So I think we should just, like, throw it to Stace on IG. We have Definitely. to message Stacey. Sorry, Dana. We're going right to the source. Yeah, no. Way yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. So that's really exciting. Okay, great. Well, now it is time for the moral of the story. I never prepare for this segment. I don't know why. Because I, I need to, like, discuss the book. Yeah. I think it would be the the first sentence, which was, I thought I knew what monsters were. Or that Nietzsche quote, like, yeah, monsters like never, like, it's never what you seem. What, it's yeah. never what or it like, seems. Actually, never mind. I was going to say, always trust your gut, but she was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had something time. more basic. Some things never change. <laughs> Ooh, it's like, hard. This wasn't like a morally book. No, and this wasn't about moral like, of the story. Like, always have your guard up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> counts. Trust no one. Trust no bitch. Trust. I no like one. that. I like Trust that. Trust no one. Thank you for that. Okay, next segment then the Hollywood treatment. So this actually is already picked up by um, I think it's HBO Max, Emma Stone's production company. I imagine that means Emma Stone is playing Chloe. Um, but this will be a series, which is going to be Fire Flames. So for shits and giggles, let's cast this book. Who does everyone have for Chloe? Snitch, let's start with you. No, I need someone else to go first because I literally couldn't think of one. So I was hoping that while you guys answered, someone would like pop in my head. I know. I didn't think of anyone either. I didn't really have anyone in my head. Okay. Um, maybe guys. like a Dakota Johnson. Yeah. I went, yeah, I like that. I went with Chloe Fineman from SNL. I love that. But she's just so funny. There's nothing funny. I know. I had I just, like, thought of her as, like, an innocent-looking blonde girl, and, like, Chloe Fineman looks like that. Yeah, yeah. You had Blake Lively, Dana? That's good, too, yeah. I don't know. I'll go with Emma Stone. That's fine by me. Next, Daniel. I kept thinking of, like, Daniel Mead from Ugly Betty. Oh, my God. The actor's name is Eric Mabius, but (laughs) he's such a Daniel. And that's my Daniel. I had Bill Hader. Hmm. I think, like, too old. Yeah. I had Eddie Redmayne, who was in, um... We know Eddie Redmayne. Oh, okay. What was he in? Um, the, the theory that, of everything, or whatever. The, yeah, theory. Of oh, everything. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that like Harry Potter spinoff movie, yes. Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. 
I had Not Henry Cavill. Oh, that's good counts. You need someone who's like ambiguous, like good or evil, you know. And then Cooper, someone else ambiguous. Are they good or are they evil? I did Luke Grimes from Yellowstone. He played Casey. Oh, that's good. That is good. Yellowstone's a great place to pull from. Yes. I had James Franco. Yeah. That's good. I had Zayn Malik. Not terrible. Okay, yeah. Zayn Malik and Blake Lively, brother and sister. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just like couldn't think for this segment. And usually I, I have really people. Usually I have an idea in my head and I just like didn't. I was just really into the book. So. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I did not have a vision of anyone at any point. Like it only took this Same. segment allowing me the time to think and process for me whatever too. reason. Sometimes I'm like, it has to be this person. Like, luckiest girl alive has to be Emma Stone. Yeah. But it's not. It's Mila Kunis. But I didn't feel that way about this book. I'm glad no one else did. Oh, my God. I forgot Same. I saw them um, filming with Mila Kunis for Luckiest Girl Alive. When? A few months ago. Honestly, actually, like a year ago. It was last summer. Yeah. No, the movie's coming out soon. Yeah, it was like a year ago because I remember it was so hot. I was coming out of Locanda Verde. I'm so excited for the movie. Same. I yeah. think it's going to be so good. It's so well cast and the book is so amazing. And if you guys haven't read Luckiest Girl Alive yet, I would read it before the movie comes out just so like you can enjoy. Snitch, you read it, right? Yeah, but you didn't love it like we did. I read it years also, ago and I didn't love it like you did. No, but I also was mm. at the, sorry, I was also at the end of like the you being forced to read it by someone and like loving it and then. Claudia being forced to read it by someone and loving it and I was just like wow this has to be the most amazing book that's ever existed in planet earth and it wasn't obviously so like it was for, way not too you. hyped up yeah no but okay. I'm saying like okay I think I would have liked it if I had just picked it up on my own but like with it was so hyped that I was just like there's no way yeah okay now it is time for our overall rating of a flicker in the dark Dana what is your rating for this book because it was a Dana's choice thank you um I gave it a 4.1 okay that's Big for Dana. Becky? I gave it a 4.5. Big for Becky. Snitch? I gave it a 4. Big for Snitch. And I, I think I'm the most generous raider. I gave it a 5. Wow. Chad. Yeah, 5s are yeah. very attainable for me. Like, it just has to be a great fucking book. Like, Luckiest Girl Alive is a 5. Um... I feel you. Evelyn Hugo is a five. Like, this is that book. Like, you this dole book is out perfect. Fives. I dole out fives. Like, I'm not someone that's like, the five is the only, like, the Holy Bible and nothing else. Like, I know. I wish I had started on that scale because now that I haven't, like, I can't ever give out a five. Yeah. I feel bad for you. But I go by my Goodreads scale, and five for me means excellent fucking book. Perfection wouldn't change a thing about it. Enjoyed my time. So our overall Redheads rating for A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham, debut author who crushed it, is a 4.4. Wow. Feels right. That feels that right. Feels right. <laughs> it does feel right. And that is also very high by Redhead standards. I need to go and look at previous ratings. I feel like the last book that we all really, really loved was Midnight Library. Yeah. And we gave that book... 4.325 stars Whoa. that all, like I feel the same way about this book as I did that book Pretty yeah close. so that feels right in the words of the snatchler wow I think I like this book more 
Yeah. So this book just like really did something new. And I also like this book because it it's not like if I I'm glad I didn't read the description because I would have been like, or I must have read the description if I approved it for Dana, but I would have been like, oh, missing girls, like this is like, you know, yikes scary. But it you really like push through all of it and it's worth it. Yeah. It so good. It yeah. So like on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah. Really, you really good. You can't make that up. No. And it's I feel like you know, so many thrillers. Like, there are some huge ones, obviously, like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, even, like, Gone Girl, that did that. And a lot of thrillers try. And some come really close and they're enjoyable and then maybe there's a twist that you didn't see. But this one did that, I feel. Yeah. Gone Girl was amazing. I'm so mad. I never got to experience Gone Girl because the movie was on somewhere and I came in in the middle where the woman was uh, just in it. And iconic. then from the beginning and then I saw from the beginning I'm like oh the whole thing is like is she alive but because yeah. I watched it in the middle I ruined it yep thrillers are pretty epic are we thriller girlies no thri- an epic thriller is have epic. you read The Silent Patient yeah I did not like it I thought it was so overrated and, and fine I read it I gave it a three people it was in, always recommend yeah. it to me though and I'm like I've read it and it wasn't I haven't good. heard much about it so maybe I'll read it without like the dilution of hype yeah it was no, inferior Claudia, to this but mm. Claudia just read it too and she was like it's not don't bother Bex seriously oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah I need I to look at my thriller my fave thrillers I'll send you some I am Pilgrim I am Pilgrim so good iconic I forgot that like, yeah that is definitely a thriller yeah okay so now it's time for the other books that we read this month Snatchler have you read anything yes I did I read the Lucy score series um crossing the line and then the sequel and it was literally amazing I mean like you guys would fucking hate it but it was like like just everything I every trope like I've ever loved like so porny like so fucking good um so if like you're into like those like if you love a snitch's choice then you would like love love these books um right yeah okay thank you rebecca i didn't read anything this month nice i'll go next because dana probably read more than me i read the lost summers of newport uh by beatrice williams lauren willig and karen white they're like a trio of historical fiction authors the book was like about a house in newport over like three different time periods gilded age like madman era and present day and sounds better than it was i didn't love it gave it a three then i read i'd like to play alone please by tom segura he is a comedian and a podcaster and a parent so i was like sign me up it's a book of short stories which is also really great and i loved the book i've been talking about it on the toast like every day because tom segura has a story for everything and i like saying his name tom segura plus his wife he does a podcast with his wife she's also a comedian and she has a comedy special on netflix that dropped a few weeks or months ago called mom jeans and it's incredible and you guys should watch it and then we like it if we're not moms Oh, I think so, yes. But as a mom, I liked it probably more. But I, I think it's for everyone. And now I'm just, like, obsessed with them as a couple. So it's I nice I love to, the name of that book so much. I'd like to play Alone, Please. Yes. It's fun, like, in the story where it's from, it's, that's what his kids said to him. <laughs> and then I read The Hotel Nantucket, which is the new Ellen Hilderbrand book. The Queen of Summer is back with another 
great fucking book set in Nantucket. She does it again. She never stops. This one had a ghost in it, which you would think would be unnecessary, but it really added a little something. I loved the book. I enjoyed my time with it, and I looked forward to picking it up, and I gave it a five because that's what I do. Also, Hotel Nantucket and this book, A Flicker in the Dark, were my first two fives of 2022 for a fiction book. So I'm so glad to have experienced a five again. It's really reignited my love for reading. And I gave, so I had two, three fives, well, three fives in a row. Tom Segura, Ellen Hildebrand, Stacey Willingham. So it was a good month for me and it's been a while. So I'm happy. Blessed. Um, Jackie, I just finished Tom Segura, I'd Like to Play Alone. Per your and Josh's recommendation, I really liked it, but I almost liked it like as just a book and not a comedy. It was weird. Like I didn't laugh out loud, but I like smiled a lot. And usually when I'm reading comedy books, I'm like lolling. So this was a different experience for me, but I really liked it still. He's also hilarious. Like I love his stand up. I saw him at MSG. I think he's one of the funniest comedians when he's actually performing. So that was That's so funny. I've never seen his comedy. Now like I need to see it. I didn't really know him at all before. But then once I figured out who he was – And he talked about his podcast. He has two of them. Yeah. Your Mama's House with his wife and Two Bears, One Cave. I know exactly what they are from the podcast charts. We're always like all next to each other up there. Yes. I didn't know who he was at all. Saw him at the MSG like 9-11 Bonanza where every comedian was there. And I could not stop talking about him. I was like, who is he? I've never seen him before. Did a deep dive. He was hysterical. And he talked about the MSG show in the book. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I was like, you killed it. So, so funny. Okay, I'm going to watch his stand-up then. So good. I gave that a 3.9. Um, then I read Once There Were Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey. It was okay. Gave it a 3.5. Um, I read The Latecomer by Jean Hamph Korolitz. Same author as The Plot, if anyone's read that. I thought this was way better. I gave it a 4.1. Really, really good. Then I read The Stranger in the Lifeboat by Mitch Album, bringing it back to him. Wow. I know. I was like, uh, kind of had five people you meet in heaven vibes, honestly. But it was a great quick read. Nothing so deep. Nothing so amazing. Gave it a 3.8. Solid book. And then I read How Beautiful We Were by Imbolo Mbu, and I gave that a 3.4. Great. Wow. Big month for you. Yeah. Those were all like pretty short books, so they flew. Sure. (laughs) Okay, well, that is our episode. And before we let you go, we need to find out what our next book is. Next, we have a Snitch's Choice, which is always a great follow-up to a Dana's Choice. And Snitch, I don't know what you decided, but I'm so curious to hear. You had some good options lined up. What are we reading next month? Okay, so I had two choices. One being a classic Snitch's Choice every summer after by, um, I don't even remember. but Carly Fortune. Carly Fortune. But... Um, I feel like at this point everyone's read it mm-hmm. and I just thought of going in a different direction. And you know what? Like you never think of that mm-hmm. for yourself <laughs> and I'm, whatever it is, I encourage it. So our book is Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. And it's basically, it's like a memoir of sorts. And it's this girl and she just kind of writes like short stories about like love and friendship, family, dating, like all of that. And I just feel like it'll 
elicit really interesting conversation because we're all at like different places in our lives so it's like we'll either like you guys like will either like violently disagree with something she says or be like wait yeah like that's kind of true so I don't know I think it I think it um I think it might be interesting I love that snitch if nothing else it'll be a fantastic episode for the redheads right so, yeah so I love that you're trying something different. I mean, we all didn't read that every summer after book, so because we thought you were going to choose it for the last two months. So now I can read it. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I started it last night. Right, right. Um, so uh, maybe maybe a few of us will also read it this month. We could talk about that too. But th- that's yeah. your official choice. I love that you're trying something new. Can't wait. It's always a journey on the snitch's choice. Oh, for sure. I do have to say, if we hate it, blame Halbreeds, not me. Okay. <laughs> I will. She. What did she rate it? Five. Halp reads is Margot's friend who has a bookstagram. She reads like more books than all of us combined, and she's like also a very like serious reader. So yeah, she reads like about like venture capitalism and stuff. Yeah, and her Instagram is Halp reads. If you want to see what she recommends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the Redheads. Another great episode. Thank you to the Redheads for being the Redheads. And we will see you on the next one. As always, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Redheads. We're always posting some fun book content. And the Redheads community is constantly growing. If you're listening to this episode and you're a first-time listener, I hope you enjoyed and that you realize that it is never too late to become a Redhead. We will see you next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.